right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And we have a, a bit of a weird one today. It's a very short show, truncated edition of RCST. We're out at 345, and you uh, might not be able to guess why. You might be thinking, oh, is there you know, is there a gay baseball game, maybe some high school? Ba-? No, we are airing the Frozen Four. That's right. Get your hockey on. A little college yeah. hockey going on, baby. A little Frozen Four action coming at you. Westwood One coverage at 345, taking over here on KLWN. We will switch out of... Westwood One coverage from the Frozen Four at 6 o'clock. So RCST till 345, Frozen Four till 6. At 6, we're going to head over to High School Sports Weekly. That'll be on 6 to 7 o'clock here on KLWN over at Burgers by Biggs on the corner of Wakarusa and Bob Billings. Nick Springer will be out there with the uh, Free State tennis team. So make sure to go on out to the show, and you can tune in as well to it on KLWN. Um, because it is a short show, we're not going to have too much time today, so we're not going to have any guests or anything. We will have a ticket giveaway. There's a Sporting KC 2 game going on at, at Rock Chalk Park this weekend. We'll have that ticket giveaway toward the end of the show at about 3.40 here. Right off the top, though, Zakiah Franklin is officially back to Kansas. We talked yesterday, Tyana Jackson coming back for the KU women's team yep. uh, using the extra COVID season. Zakiah Franklin the same way. So now both of your players who were all Big 12 first team this past season are officially back. Yep, and it sounds like kind of what we expected and even what Brandon Snyder said after KU won the WNIT that uh, those players are going to exercise that extra year to come back. And and it makes sense. You know, we've talked about how after they made the NCAA tournament last season, there was an expectation of making a jump this season, and it didn't exactly happen. But then you have the late season success with winning the WNIT. And for the, some of these players that have that extra year, it's now, okay, we just had the success with the WNIT, but obviously it's not exactly what we wanted for this season. Let's use this next extra season to really go out and actually achieve what we what we know we can get to. Uh, so I think it makes a lot of sense and it, and it kind of goes in line with what we've heard. So definitely exciting news. And I think it just kind of circles back to what we've talked about where this should be a top 25 team. This should be a team that has high expectations for next season, which, you know, that's going to put some extra pressure on them. But it's for these players, it'll be their last chance. So uh, next season is going to be a it's going to be a very important season for Kansas in terms of what they can achieve both individually from some of the players they have and also as a program to really take that next step. Because right now it feels like they're kind of in that uh, basketball purgatory where it's like you're every year you're like your expectation is that you make the tournament, but it's not a guarantee. You're not really sure. Like you're kind of uh, flip flopping between being a tournament team and not being a tournament team. But Next year feels like the chance where Kansas can maybe escape that basketball purgatory and firmly cement themselves as as a team that's, okay, we expect to be in the tournament every year. We're going to be in the mm-hmm. tournament every year and fighting for, you know, making it to the second round, making it to the second weekend even. 
of the NCAA tournament. It feels like that's what next season is going to be potentially the building block for. Yeah. So uh, that'll be a big deal. Now we're just kind of waiting on the decision from Holly Kerskeeter and, and maybe the rest of the roster in terms of will there be any transfers out? What are they going to do at the portal? All sorts of uh, stuff over there. I, I did want to rehash some of the stuff from yesterday, Bill Self meeting with the media. We talked a lot on yesterday's show about the commitment for him to coaching and, and wanting to stick around not just for this year and definitively saying he'll be coaching this year and, and wanting to for future years. But I also wanted to dive a little bit more today into some of the offseason talk that he did have kind of at the end of the conversation. Um, so we have a, a couple of the clips from that presser from yesterday that I want to address. Uh, the first of it is him talking about kind of the overview of of the roster and where everything's out with, you know, kind of what they have, just rehashing, recapping where they're at right now. We got to get some work done in the portal. We, 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 you know, we, we, we've got four commitments and those four commitments I'm excited about. I mean, we we got good players coming, but you return one, you return KJ, uh, uh, who two incredibly important pieces that every championship team needs. You know, you got Ernest, you got Zuby, uh, 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 Kyle, we, we, we still don't know exactly what the situation is with Kyle, but everybody else is gone, which creates opportunity now for us to go out and try to recruit three of the best players in America to come in here and fill those spots. So uh, uh, we've got work to do before we're a top 10 team, but I'm, 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 I'm really hopeful, you know, within weeks, uh, uh, everybody would say they should be ranked higher than a top 10 team. Well, that makes you feel good. That yeah, that's I don't know, interesting. Maybe some optimism there that they could be landing some big names coming up in the portal. We'll have our into the transfer portal segment coming up after our Masters update and our break. Um, you also heard him there. One big note: him talking about the Kyle Cuff situation. Yeah, they don't know what the situation is going to be there. Still I'll, I'll say this: yeah. um, if he does end up, you know, transferring out, you're going to use the scholarship. You'll bring in a good player. If he does end up staying. I know there's some fans that's like, really, he's going to end up staying, but he won't play. Okay, that, that might end up being true, but I, I would never fault the kid for that. Two reasons. One, if I was in Kyle Cuff's shoes and I'm like, you know what? I might not be playing a ton, but I'm living the life, man. Like, I'm I, I'm getting the the best, uh, you know, world-class, like, living facilities for college basketball players and NIL money and, you know, I'm a celebrity on campus. And, I mean, think back to, like, some of the teams in the 2000s. Like, a guy like Jeremy Case. Like, he he never really played, but he stuck around the roster the whole time. Now, that was a different era with the transfer portal. But, but the other part of this is, is this. If he does decide he ends up just wanting to stay and saying, you know, I don't know that the minutes are there, but I'm going to try to work my butt off to try to fight my way above it. And I want to be a program player. I love being here. Why would you fault the kid for that? Yeah. Right? I mean, so many people get upset with the transfer portal nowadays that they're like, oh, man. Well, these if you kids suck, just, get yeah. off the team. Yeah. <laughs> or they're, they're like, you know, these kids are quitters. They don't want to do the work to work <clears throat> above the depth chart. This kid is literally saying, I want to do that. <laughs> and now you're mad. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that, that for me, if a kid transfers, I don't view that as a negative. No. But I do think it should make the kids who do want to stick around and fight it out and prove it. I think we should look at that very fondly. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I don't think we should look well, at the other side listen, negatively, but I think we should look at that as like a good for you. Well, you know, listen, the reality that's situation what he for Kyle Cuff is he redshirted his first year and he played in what two, three games before he got know. injured? Yeah, two games. The exhibition. Yeah, yeah, like two games before yeah. he got injured. So you don't even know what he could bring at this point, really. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, we don't, you don't, you don't really know. He redshirted and he played two games. Yeah, and I will say this: there was a reason he was behind Joe and Bobby to start. But again, what if? But what, we talked about it. Right. If they were, they were not good. So he could have potentially. 
Show him something. So I, I wouldn't be so concerned if you know he's your twelfth or eleventh, twelfth yeah, guy it's, yeah, on the it's roster. Yeah, one of those things where right. it's it's. I don't think it's a situation where it will define. KU success or not, yeah. if he stays or if he decides to, to move on. But certainly something to watch. Um, now, we also got to hear from Self on what exactly they're looking for in the transfer portal. I think we need, uh, obviously, we, we, we need some some height on the perimeter that can shoot, you know, hopefully playmaking, athleticism. You know, we want guys that shoot 40% from three, 60% from two and 90% from the line, and they're more athletic than everybody else, and they never turn it over. Okay, that's that's what we want. Okay, and and, and and then and then we need a big guy. We need a big guy to go out and get 20 and 10. You know, so if we could get that done, then I think we're going to be in pretty good shape. But but uh, uh, but but certainly, I, f- I feel like we're in on, in on some good kids. Yeah. Okay, so he's being a little facetious there with the, <laughs> yeah, if it, you know, if you could get basically a guy who's really athletic and shoots unbelievable numbers from everywhere and get a big man who's scoring 20 and 10, like, of course, of course you would want that and of course you would take that. Um, there were two bits, though. I, I do think as much as that was partially, you know, being facetious and joking a little bit about the efficiency in the 20 and 10 thing, yeah. I do think the 20 and 10 thing comes from, you know, sometimes people make jokes. I mean, a lot of times jokes are based on bits of truth, right? Sure, yeah. I think there is a bit of truth in that joke. Don't you? Hunter Dickinson? Sure. Grammy K? Sure. Now, the other part that he did say in this part was very serious at the beginning. Height on the perimeter that can shoot. Yeah. And I think that's very interesting because some of the names that we've talked about or in the portal or, I don't know, maybe we've heard linked or interest in KU, maybe they are height, they have the height or the athleticism or the length on the perimeter, but they're like low 30% three-point shooting. Do you view that as like... I don't know. Do I, when he says shooting on the perimeter, does he mean can shoot it, or does he mean like good shooters? I think he maybe means can shoot it okay. uh, because so like like this, Kevin McCuller, like he probably, can shoot it. Yeah, but it's not but, but KU's gonna need shooting. So right. yeah, I mean, it's one of those situations where you need length and you need shooting. And if there is a guy out there that can do both, fantastic. If not, I guess you'll need to get a couple different guys. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I did think that was interesting. Uh, We don't have time for this last clip, but he did talk about Kevin McCuller's decision. That was interesting, and uh, just to kind of recap that, he basically was saying that, yeah, I think Kevin could could basically uh, gain a lot by coming back, but he has to go through the decision process with the NBA. And and I thought Matt Tate made a great point on the show yesterday when he said that Bill Self is usually pretty pretty straightforward, pretty blunt with this kind of discussion. So the fact that he was so open to saying yes, Kevin could really really benefit from coming back, I thought was interesting. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to have a master's update, then a commercial timeout. Then we'll be back for another edition of Into the Transfer Portal. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Into the Transfer Portal. There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to the average basketball fan. It is a dimension as large as Wilt and as timeless as Perry Ellis. It is the middle ground between staying and leaving, between wins and losses. And it lies between the pit of recruiting and entrance to the NBA. This is the dimension of new schools. It is an area which we call the transfer portal. And into the transfer portal we go here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, The latest news actually came out, I don't know, minutes ago, I guess I would say. It is that LJ Cryer, the guard from Baylor, who put up really impressive numbers for the Baylor Bears last season. He was uh, an all-Big 12 player, over 15 points per game. 
Not a ton of other numbers, you know, not not the best defender, two rebounds, two assists per game, but he was more so just asked to basically be a shooter um, and an elite three-point shooter, 41.5% from three on six attempts per game, year before 47% from three on 5.8 attempts per game. He uh, shot 45% from the field in total, 89% from three-point range. I mean, this guy is just an absolute beast shooting the basketball, creating his own shot off the dribble. We saw it up close and personal in the games that he played against KU. He is absolutely someone that would make a ton of sense for KU. He's going to be visiting the Jayhawks after he visits Houston and Kansas State, and that makes this all the more interesting. You have a transfer from Baylor that basically is visiting three schools in the Big 12. He is also going through the NBA draft process. He said he's going to figure out what he wants to do in the next couple weeks college-wise, but he won't release it yet, and then he's going to go through the draft process, and then if he decides to come back to school, which right now he's not seen as someone who's supposed to be drafted, then he'll announce it. I think he's what he's trying to avoid is like, you know, why would I announce I'm going to another school and upset the Baylor fan base, and then all of a sudden I go pro, and now Baylor fans are mad at me, and I didn't even play at a different school, right? Um, so that would make a little bit of sense after you saw what happened with uh, the Texas Tech fans and Kevin McCuller last year. But he is someone who is, without a doubt, at the top of the list. And I think that, you know, we, we've been doing this with the transfer portal and had the different tiers. The uh, This is just the hello tier because it, it is certainly the most impactful guys we've seen in the portal, and they all pretty much entered over the past couple of days. Hunter Dickinson, Max Asmus, and LJ Cryer. In the case of Cryer, he fits everything KU would, would need and want in terms of having a shot creator, having a, a three-point specialist for the team. He would check both those marks for you at a very, very high level. You could play him next to Dewan Harris, and yes, maybe it's not the most ideal to have two little guards next to each other, but when one is good enough defensively like Dewan is and the other is as good offensively as Cryer is, you can make that work, especially when you're going to have potentially a big rim protector like Ernest or Zuby at the center and a pretty good defender at the four with KJ Adams and assumedly another big wing at, at the three spot that you can make that work. Right. And you just look at Baylor this past year, they played three of those little guards together with George Cryer and Flagler. Now they weren't very good on defense, but you're not being asked to do that to what Baylor did. So uh, I wouldn't be worried about the, the defense or the, or the fit or anything like that. I think he would just be a great fit for KU. The one question here, this is a quote directly from LJ Cryer that came out about a day or two ago. Quote, I am looking to see what school will let me play some time at point guard. Now, this kind of depends how, how I guess, cemented he wants that point guard role to be. If it is something where he is basically saying, I, I want to be the starting point guard, you probably look at Kansas State as the most likely option between those three. Marquise Noel graduates away. Uh, obviously, Jerome Tang you know, coached him. I don't know if he recruited him when he was at Baylor. That would make a lot of logical sense. If it's more of like, I just want to at times be a point guard, you know, initiate the offense sometimes, maybe bring the ball up sometimes, then Kansas is a viable option. There were times Jalen Wilson would bring the ball up the floor. There are times that Kevin McCuller would initiate offense for KU. LJ Cryer would be able to do those things. It just wouldn't be every possession. It wouldn't be a majority of the time. LJ Cryer could be the backup point guard minutes for Dewan Harris, but that might only be four or five minutes of the game. 
but it's more than maybe he was doing at Baylor. So it, it depends. If he just wants like a little taste of it and moments where he is that guy, then it can work. But if he's wanting to be like a majority point guard or play 20 minutes a night at point guard, that would kind of eliminate Kansas. Then again, you get offered uh, at Kansas, you get a big NIL package possibly coming your way to be on one of the better teams in the country and be a, a focal point on offense, even if it's not as true point guard. Maybe that starts to change your mind a little bit in terms of what you could do. But I think he knows, like at the next level, uh, because he's only like six feet tall, he is going to have to be more of a point guard type. And because of that, that's what I think he wants to do uh, in his next stop. So we'll see how that affects things with KU, but they do have a visit scheduled. Uh, there are two other visits uh, to talk about here for KU that have been scheduled. One is Primo Spears with uh, Georgetown. This is a very interesting one, and I can't help but think this is like not a maybe primary target for KU, and maybe this is like a fallback option for a couple of reasons. So Spears at six foot three is kind of a point guard could play combo guard type and having a right if you're you're going to pair another guard with Dwan Harris you'd like them to be a little you know taller which 63 that'll work for Spears average 16 points per game five and a half assists per game good court vision all that stuff for Spears that yeah sure that would be a good fit for you but here's why it's a little weird one He's on his second school already. Went to Duquesne in 2021-22, to transferred to Georgetown for 22-23. And the NCAA just released about a, a week or two that they're going to start cracking down on some of these double transfers. And even if there's a coaching change, they're not going to really let that apply. So there is no guarantee that Primo Spears would be eligible. Maybe they can find a loophole or wraparound, but it is a risk you'd be taking. And in a year where you're only going to have 12 scholarship players as opposed to 13, I don't know if it's smart to take one of those risks. In addition to that, Spears is not really a great three-point shooter. 30% from three on 2.8 attempts per game. Year before, he was 30% from three. So uh, you have two years of data now where he has attempted 193-point shots. He has shot 30% on the dot collectively both years and for the totality of things. The one reason why I have been, I don't know, I wouldn't say warmed up to it or that, or that like I, I sort of understand it, is that one, he was on a terrible Georgetown team where maybe you were asked to do a little bit more than you should have been asked to do or or maybe you were, you were put under pressure more. If you were the top option on a bad team, that means you're drawing the best defender on the other team. Whereas if you're on Kansas, you might draw the the third or fourth best defender if you're on the court. And that might be helpful to you being a better player. Additionally, you know, it's not just the KU needs three-point shooting, which they do. It's also they need somebody who to, can like create shots or a win in one-on-one -on -one situations. And I will say, even though Spears is not the best, you know, three-point shooter at 30%, he is in the 68th percentile in isolation, which is a very good number across college basketball. Um, so pretty much if you're like in the, you know, like that was something he did a lot. Um, he he did it in the 99th percentile in terms of how often he was isoing up. So he's used to it. He's pretty good at it. Spot up shooting, he's actually in the 63rd percentile, which is good 
You know, if you're you're about 50%, that's average. So, you know, that's above average. That's good for Primo Spears. So there are a couple things that, yeah, maybe he would be more of a spot-up shooter. He could help you out in isolation. He would be another good passer on the floor. That I don't hate it, but because he's not a knockdown three-point shooter, because there is the risk of the scholarship thing, to me, that would be kind of a backup option, though not a terrible one either. Um, there's another visit scheduled for Nick Timberlake. That's coming this weekend. He is certainly on the, the short list for me of of top guys that you would want. I think Hunter Dickinson is probably, man, I don't, I don't know. It's Hunter Dickinson, Max A. Smith, or LJ Cryer. To me, all those guys are in tier one. I think tier two for me, probably leading off the list, is Nicholas Timberlake. I don't know what his role would be. You could convince me he could come in and, and start for you at the two position. He's a six foot four kind of shooting guard, combo guard type. You could convince me, though, he comes off the bench and he's a bench player for you. I know some people would have worries about him being a starter, what would that mean? Others would say, I'd only want him in the Jalen Coleman-Lands role. That's fine, but I'll say this. Jalen Coleman-Lands was brought on not just to give you a bench scoring option, but possibly as a starter, because at that point, they didn't know what was going to happen with Ochai Baji. to where if Ochai would have stayed in the NBA draft, Jalen Coleman-Lands would have played a lot more. And I think with Timberlake, I was looking at this earlier, Timberlake shot better from three than Grady Dick did on one more attempt per game. He shot about 10% better against top 50 Ken Palm teams, albeit way less games, and he shot about 8% better against Ken Palm top 100 teams, again, albeit less games. He also was in the 94th percentile in spot-up shooting. Grady Dick was really good at it, 74th percentile, but not as good as Timberlake. Off screens, Grady Dick was 34th percentile. That was something Grady uh, hadn't quite figured out yet, how to move without the ball, how to work around screens. For Nicholas Timberlake, 55th percentile. He's done a better job with that. Timberlake also has, I think, deeper range. Uh, a lot of times over the season, we were saying, well, can Grady Dick stretch it a little more? Can he start taking 25, 30 foot threes? Never really did. Timberlake can do that. And I think there's a more wide variety that Grady's a better overall player. He has higher potential. He's going to be a first round pick. Grady's a better rebounder, more size, better cutting. But just in terms of the shooting, a sixth year Nick Timberlake to me is actually better than a first year Grady Dick. So he would have a very big impact on this team. I would love to bring him on for KU, and I, I think he would be a perfect fit for Kansas, whether it is somebody who starts or off the bench. Sure, you could worry a little bit about, well, how does the defense translate um, for him to the upper level? KU brought on Isaiah Moss a couple years ago, and they had like the best defense in the country because they had insulation around him. Devon Dotson was an opportunistic defender, got a lot of seals. Marcus Garrett, one of the best defenders in the country. Yudoka Azubuki, one of the best defenders in the country. You had insulation around him that you just needed someone where it was like, hey, we have all these defenders. Can you just play offense for us? That's how I view Nick Timberlake. Dewan Harris, one of the best defenders in the country. KJ, Ernest can be good defenders on this team. Just get a good offensive player. So um, this is the little blurb from The Athletic on Timberlake. Genuinely, Timberlake is one of the best shooters in all of college basketball. Over his last two seasons, he's hit 41% from three on over six attempts per game. Mechanics are pristine. He takes them off the hop or off a one-two step. He'll hit them off the movement. He's lethal if you leave him open, and that translates to any level of play. So definitely a take for me. So those are the players with visits scheduled. Um, as of now, haven't seen anything with Max Acemus or with Hunter Dickinson, but it seems like KU has least um, had a Zoom with Hunter Dickinson, and it seems like they're in the thick of things. Yeah, all signs indicate that uh, Hunter Dickinson is very much on KU's radar, and how could he not be? I mean, this is a guy that was an all-Big 12, pl- an all-Big 10 player, I should say, maybe all-Big 12 player. <laughs> but the point is, like, we heard from Bill Self and his little uh, what he was saying about players in the transfer portal, and to me, it sounds like 
KU is looking for high-quality players from well-established programs that can come in and have a major impact right away. Well, guess who checks off a lot of those boxes? Hunter Dickinson. Yeah. Oh, by the way, he's got size, obviously, and he can shoot it a little bit too, and it makes a lot of sense possibly if you're looking to move KJ back to the four that Dickinson could play the stretch five with KJ at four, right? So there's a lot to like about that. Now, the rally situation is that Hunter Dickinson's going to have a lot of interest from a lot of schools. I think he had a I think he had a meeting with Kentucky also. So there's a lot of other top-tier schools that are very interested in him as well. Yeah, so those are kind of the top-tier guys and the guys that have visits scheduled. There have been some other reported interest or reaching out for KU with like Caleb Mills, who um, he would just be kind of a solid player who could come in for you. I think he would be more in the line of like maybe he's a backup option for you but wouldn't be a bad one to fall on. Uh, Jameel Reynolds, the Temple player who they had an in-home visit with, he narrowed his list to five. Kansas was among that five. Again, feels See, like narrowing your list of five. That's yeah. an actual. That's Thank actually you. narrowing. Yes. 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 Okay. Oh, I will way. take that seriously. Wait, now. Who was that player? That was uh, Katie Chedrick, right? Uh, this is actually funny. So we talked. Ooh, this about ooh, this open a my list. Eighteen schools. Did you see the update on that? That a couple other schools have reached out, knew that he has now added to the list. Wait, what? Yeah. So not only did he not narrow his list at all, he expanded it. Yes. What? <laughs> what? What are we doing? <laughs> what? What is the point of having yeah. a list? I love it. What? What is what? Yeah. Oh no, that's no. great. You know that's who's great. not on my list? Caden Chedrick. For that reason. <laughs> okay. That's a red flag, man. Is that not a red flag to you? Yeah, no, I think so. Um, some other names I just want to throw out there: uh, Tyler Perry, transferring from North Texas. I don't know if there's been any contact, but he's someone who can shoot, create his own shot. Conference USA Player of the Year. Ryan Nembhard just entered the transfer portal. I don't know how much that fit will work out. But yeah, he's kind of he's in the player. same boat as LJ Cryer, where Great. if he wants to be a like the more point guard guy, doesn't fit. KU's already got that. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think some other guys that are interesting, solid, maybe not perfect fits for every reason, but could help you in a lot of ways. Noah Thomason, he's a transfer from Niagara, bucket getter, can hit threes. He would be more in the ilk of probably somebody who would come off the bench, I would imagine, but could give you that other guard minutes, those roles there, I guess. Uh, Brandon Murray is kind of an athletic like wing type from Georgetown, solid defender, really good athlete. And then Jalen Hill, I thought that was of interest just because he is a really good defensive wing. That'll obviously interest Bill Self. And the last one, Hakeem Hart well, from Maryland. There, do you want to win every game 40 to 38? I don't, no. I do not. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> what I do are we not. doing here? I do not. Um, but Hakeem Hart is interesting. He's like a 6'7", 6'8", wing from Maryland, really physically built. He's got kind of more of an old man game, not like a super uh, springy athlete. Like he, he, Kind of like Jalen Wilson, like 6'8", okay. yeah. plays a lot below the basket. Yeah. But um, pretty good score, not a great three-point shooter. He's like 33%, so in theory he's like yeah. slightly better than Kevin McCuller, but yeah. doesn't. That, that's one where, again, that's why I put him in solid but not perfect fits. So. <laughs> Those, uh, that's uh, kind of the update on the transfer portal for right now. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got a ticket giveaway. Tickets to uh, see Sporting KC2. We'll be back after this on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at KLWN.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.